It is good to be with you today on Mother's Day. My name is Ed Stetzer. I'm the interim teaching pastor here uh, at Moody Church. It is Mother's Day, and I think we all had probably a similar mom. Let's just see, right? Uh, I just When I put out my hands, I want you to respond and just put the word that comes to mind, right? When you're sitting on the floor, they say, don't sit too close to the... It'll ruin your eyes, right? It actually doesn't. It just ruins the view of your mother to actually see the television is what it is. <laughs> At dinner time, you hear, listen, clean your... People are... In, depending on your, how old you are, it could be Europe, it could be, if that was right after World War II, it could be another place later on. Um, when asking if you, if you can go, go do something you shouldn't, uh, mom says, ask your father, exactly, which really means no. Um, <laughs> before you go out, put on clean. You know, I don't want to respond to that one. Uh, you might get in an accident, whatever it may be. Listen, uh, Mother's Day is a great day to celebrate. We're going to not talk specifically about motherhood, but we are going to address issues of parenting. We all have different traditions. We all come from different homes. And sometimes a mom and Mother's Day, for some, is a hard day. For some, it's a day of celebration and rejoicing. A lot of it depends upon the family construct that we have. We sometimes joke at our home, uh, I'm an extrovert, and I have three daughters who are all extroverts, and Donna, my wife, and their mom is an introvert. So on Mother's Day, we go out all day so she can stay home alone and relax. <laughs> not true, though, not true. Uh, but we're going to talk today about a passage you've actually heard, read, and, and kind of reflected on even in some of the music. It's from Proverbs chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. We'll put it on the screen so you can take a look at it with me. Here's what it says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. For they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. We're going to talk some about how to, we instill knowledge, moms and dads and churches, to leave a, a godly legacy. But I believe today, hopefully, we'll be encouraged by the fact that the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. The fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. In preparing this week, I listened to a Steve Green song. It goes like this, Oh, may all who come behind us find us faithful. May the fire of our devotion light their way. May the footprints that we leave, lead them to believe, and the lives we inspire, and the lives we live, inspire them to obey. I will tell you that my story, which I'll share a little bit later, has to do with a mother who came to Christ, a strong mother and a strong woman who came to Christ late in life in the midst of crisis and difficulty in her own life, and in doing so, influenced her son to follow Jesus. We'll talk more about that later. I'm guessing there could be uh, thousands of stories as we gather together here and joining us online. But three things I want to really zoom in on today as we look at this passage in the book of Proverbs. Uh, many people say that this beginning here in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1, 7, and following, is actually kind of the key to the whole book. It basically tells us the theme of the book of Proverbs as a whole. In a sense, verse 7 is often seen as a motto for the whole book. So it starts with number one on our outline is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom. We're talking about the fear of the Lord and the next generation, the beginning of wisdom. I want to remind you again, don't be afraid of the phrase, the fear of the Lord, because I think the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. So let's look at Proverbs 1.7. It's here on the screen. Would you mind reading it out loud with me? You can see it. Let's read it together. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge 
Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So here it is, right? It's, this is the theme and the motto, if you will, of the whole book of Proverbs in the Bible. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. The contrast is fools despise wisdom and instruction. In Psalm 111, verse 10, we see it expressed a little differently. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Now, the Bible speaks often and speaks well of the fear of the Lord. Now, you may be here today and say, Ed, that's kind of old school. No, no, no. If that's old school, we need to go back to school because we need to understand what it means by the fear of the Lord because sometimes we contrast that, right? We contrast that with 2 Timothy 1.7 or also in 1 John and other places, for God gave us a spirit uh, not of fear but of power and love and self-control and in First John, it says that perfect love casts out all fear. So sometimes people want to see the fear of the Lord as an Old Testament thing that we sort of move on from in the New Testament, right? We, we think of like Isaiah 11.3. It talks about our delight being in the fear of the Lord. Or, but then on the other hand, we see in Moses in Exodus 20.20, 20, Moses says not to be afraid, but to fear him so you might not sin. Matter of fact, throughout the Bible are warnings, cautions, and exhortations to fear the Lord. Even today, you'll hear people sometimes say, I grew up in a God-fearing family. Sometimes they use that as a negative. Sometimes they kind of contrast this to a loving, caring family, but that's not the intent of the writers of Scripture. You see, Scripture ties the fear of the Lord to and wisdom to parents. Don't want to miss this, right? And it ties these two things together. And is it just an Old Testament thing? No, actually, in Philippians 2, it tells us to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. The Bible speaks often and positively, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, of the fear of the Lord. And here in this verse, it ties it into, well, parenting and legacy and a godly transmission from generation to generation. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools decide, to, fools don't listen. Fools ignore. We see this throughout the book of Proverbs, right? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Then it says, hear, hear my son. So we see the tie-in to parenting. So what is the fear of the Lord and how might we understand it? First of all, it says here it's the beginning of knowledge and in Psalms it says the beginning of wisdom. So now it's not the only thing that we know about God. We don't just know than just fear. What does this fear mean? Well, it's interesting because sometimes people will translate this. In fact, I was reading a commentary that's specifically for translators of the Bible, and here's what it says. It says, in some languages, it's not possible to use a noun phrase such as fear the Lord as the subject of a clause. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Accordingly, it's sometimes necessary to translate it this way. If you hold the Lord in awe, you will have the beginning of knowledge. We may also translate it, whoever respects and obeys the Lord is beginning to be wise. So words like awe and respect, is that the fullness of the understanding? No, it's part of it, but it's not all of it. You see, the reality is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And on this side of the cross, right, we know that Christ has now made us safe, that love has brought us near. But the New Testament still speaks of us fearing the Lord. So let me speak of this in two ways that may be helpful to us. First, let me say that if you are not a follower of Christ, and for anyone who's not a follower of Christ, fear is an appropriate response to the holiness, righteousness, judgment, and yes, the wrath of God. Because God is indeed terrible, 
to the person who does not know Christ. Because there's terror that would be there. And so a person who does not know Christ, who's not shielded in the safety of the cross, has a rightful fear of facing, for example, eternity, of facing death, of facing God. But now as a follower of Jesus, do I still fear him? And should I still teach my children to fear God? Well, well, Ed, what about you? Do you fear God? I, I, I do. I do. I, I fear wandering from him and the consequences of stuff, I, uh, 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 of such. I, I, fear, I fear the reality of, of, of even his fullness and his holiness, though I, I know him in Christ. I still stand in reverential awe of who he is. Let me give an example that may help. It's an earthly example, so it can't capture the fullness of this. But in February, right around the time when it was getting super cold around here, Don and I felt the call of the Lord to do a speaking event in Phoenix, Arizona. <laughs> yes, Lord, here I am, send me. <laughs> so um, we, we went down there together. Matter of fact, John Jelinek, who's part of our church, was there at this very event as well. He was part of inviting me. So we went down there. And so we took a couple of days beforehand because it was February and we live in Chicagoland. So we got there and Donna comes up with an idea two days before we go. She says, hey, isn't the Grand Canyon near Phoenix? Now, I've never been to the Grand Canyon, nor has she. And so she said, isn't the Grand Canyon? So I, I actually don't know. I, I thought it was near Las Vegas. Turns out it's kind of people go all the time from Phoenix up to there. So she said, let's go to the Grand Canyon. So we are super excited to leave the freezing cold and occasional snow of Chicago. And we fly down to warm Phoenix and then we drive up from the airport, right from the airport to the Grand Canyon to stay overnight. So we get there and we're driving up there and we start seeing flashing signs that say danger. And why is there danger? It's, and it starts saying blizzard and snowstorm warnings. And <laughs> like, I think we're doing Arizona wrong because we start driving up there and we didn't take into account this thing called elevation. And we go, and it's, so we go to the Grand Canyon, we're staying in this lodge, and we, from the front of the lodge, you can see into the, it's a beautiful spot, you can see the totality of the Grand Canyon, unless you come during the snowstorm. <laughs> and so we literally stood on the edge, there's a, there's a wall that's right there, we literally stood on the edge, in, covered in the jackets we wore in Chicago, shielding our faces from the snow, looking straight ahead into what should have been the most beautiful picture we had ever seen, and all we could see was about a foot ahead of us, snow. <laughs> so we, we go back and we try to exhort one another to love and good deeds. We're going to make it through this. We've come to the Grand Canyon to experience Chicago. And so, <laughs> so we go in, we stay in the lodge overnight, and we wake up in the morning, and what we notice is, is that um, our window, all of a sudden, it was dull and gray, but then the sun came through. We could see it through the shades of our window. And so we said, wait, this could be it. So we, we rushed outside, and by the time we got outside, the snow would come back. But we knew that there was some hope here because there was sunlight a moment ago. So we, so we came to the edge of the Grand Canyon. Now, it's interesting because you have seen some things that if you've watched the news lately, there's been a, a kind of a, a series of people who have actually died, and it's made the news, taking selfies on the edge of the Grand Canyon. Very tragic indeed. And we didn't know what that would look like, because all we could see was just the wall and, and then snow. 
But we knew that there must be danger, and there's danger here. There are signs, don't climb on this, don't go on that. And so we go kind of around to the edge to this place that sort of points out just a little bit. And, and, and people say, this is the best place to see. I even Googled this to say, this is the best. So here we sit, and all we see is snow. Until, like a giant hand moved back a curtain, the snow ended, and there was the Grand Canyon. And it was the most beautiful sight I think we've ever seen. We took selfies, we, we looked out, we Donna made it her Facebook page picture, and, and at that moment, there it all was. But at that moment, we stand there, and all of a sudden, we have this reverential awe, and I don't know if you've been there, it's just, it's, you can't really describe it unless you've been there, because it's as far as you can see, this way and this way is just beauty, and I wanted to tweet a picture, take a picture, and say, all right, atheist, your move. Because, I mean, you just sit there and there's this reverential awe, and then we look down and have this fear. Because, I mean, we're like a foot away. I mean, if there's like an earthquake and this little section falls, I mean, this is, seems indeed a dangerous spot to be. And, and this is what we felt at the same time, this reverential awe and this fear, but we knew, and here's the key, right? We knew where we were was safe. We, we knew because it had been built this way. It didn't say we weren't taking risks, and, and we were just standing there. But at the moment, looking down, it just goes down and down and down. And here in the midst of this, I don't want you to miss this, right? In the midst of the reverential awe, when the storm comes and blows in and out, we're still safe right here. So as a Christian, I'm safe in my identity in Christ. I'm not cowering in fear at the prospect of facing a holy and perfect and righteous and loving God, not because of anything that I have done. I'm not good enough. Without Christ, terror is the appropriate response to the wrath and righteousness of a holy and perfect God. But in Christ, the storm can come, and then the beauty of the reverential awe can come. I might have a fear to move away from that safety, but here I am, safe in Christ. Now, it's not a perfect picture, but it's maybe a helpful one. We sang a few minutes ago, he will hold me fast. He will hold me fast. Listen, we have this fear of the Lord, fear that we might wander from him, this reverential awe and respect of him, but he holds me fast. I need not fear inappropriately. Now, again, there's lots of things more to learn about God than just the fear of the Lord, but we'd not be fair to the text if we didn't explain this to people. And I think, ultimately, we'd not be fair to the next generation if we taught them that God was kind of the big guy in the sky, kind of our buddy, kind of our friend. And it's interesting because that's kind of how I was raised. I kind of learned and heard that, you know, there's a God in the sky, and he's kind of relatively helpless and generally harmless, and he's up there to do us a favor and give us good luck. And at the end of the day, when I came to Christ, part of why I came to Christ is I understood the awesomeness of who he was. I rightly feared the Lord. And then I became a follower of Jesus by his grace and his goodness, and the fear of the Lord became more clear to me. And as a father, and with Donna as a mother, we want to pass on that to our children as well. The knowledge and fear of the Lord with the knowledge that he will hold us fast. So we start first and foremost here, the totality of the book of Proverbs. The motto is simple. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Simply put, the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. But don't miss this, because straight from the fear of the Lord, right, the writer goes into, well, our family and faith. 
So that's number two in our outline. We start with the beginning of wisdom. That's the fear of the Lord. And then we move into the idea of family and faith. Now, now I love my family. I think that God has blessed me greatly. And I want the fear of the Lord to create a godly legacy that lasts. I'm looking forward to spending the afternoon with my, my family together. That's a great blessing that, that I have that I didn't have growing up and coming from a broken home, Donna coming from a broken home. But, but we rejoice in, well, the family that God has given us. This is actually a picture of, of my family. Uh, this, is, this is Donna. This is mom. This is her day. Uh, and so we're super excited about this. And I have, I have three daughters. So this picture is both a statement of my reality and a desperate request for prayer. <laughs> it's true. This is my, my oldest daughter. She's dressed like this because she just sang an opera in multiple languages. And so we're attending her recital. And, and so you can see, you can even see the personality of each in the picture, right? This is my middle daughter, Jacqueline. She's just like me. You can actually see her that she's up to something right now. <laughs> just like her dad, right? And then my middle daughter, this, so this is Kristen, this is Jacqueline, this is, this is Caitlin. She's my, my youngest daughter, and, and for, for some reason, she joins with teenage, teenagers all over America buying jeans with holes in them. I still don't understand this. I, I want you to know teenagers wearing jeans with holes in them. You're going to look back 30 years from now at your pictures, and you're going to make fun of yourself. I want you to know that, because there's a picture of me wearing parachute pants that actually goes back to when I was a little younger because MC Hammer had them, can't touch this. And so, <laughs> so I make fun of myself, and you will make fun of yourself in these pants. And, and this sweater that has a sleeve that goes down to her knee. <laughs> these are my girls. Now, uh, these are my girls when I actually started here as the interim of the interim uh, teaching pastor of the Moody Church. Take a look at them when I started here as the interim of the Moody Church. Next slide, there, that's them. Okay, I haven't been here that long, but it just seems that way for you, doesn't it? <laughs> now, now, here's the thing. You know, I look at my kids, and I know the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. I want my children to have that fear of the Lord, that rightful fear of the Lord, and I want them to have a love for the Lord. The fear of the Lord is not the only thing that we know and that we learn, right? I want them to, to know. I don't just, you know, on Father's Day, I make them all sing, you're a good, good father. I make them sing that to me. That's who you are. And then I say, that's who I am. That's who I am. There's not a, a similar song on Mother's Day, so we don't do that, right? But, uh, but, I, but I want my children to know, and Proverbs 1.8 beautifully expresses this. It says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Now, we talk about a son and daughter quite appropriately in this context. Hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. That's part of my prayer. It's not the totality of my prayer, but that's part of my prayer for my children. They might know the rightful fear of the Lord, that reverential awe and respect, that fear of moving away from who he is as the center of their lives, that rightful fear of the Lord. And they might both hear our instruction, but our instruction might be right in the eyes of God. Basically, the theme here is listen to your father and mother. Now, if you're with your children right now, go ahead and point to them and say, he's talking about you right now. <laughs> good, it's all good. A lot of people poking each other. I like that. That's for the glory of God. It kind of means pay attention. It means pay attention to your parents. Now, I got to tell you, pay attention was never my strength growing up. I, uh, walking case of attention deficit disorder. 
And, uh, and I never paid attention. Well, one of the reasons I barely graduated high school was my lack of paying attention. But I did pay attention to what I saw happen in my mother's life. I didn't pay attention much in high school. Again, graduated with a D plus average. You know, my slogan in high school was D's get degrees. <laughs> I'm not encouraging that to be your slogan, young people. But I, I, I didn't pay attention much to my teachers. In the seventh grade, I got an award. I was so excited. They gave me this plaque, and I took it home. It said I was the most loquacious. I didn't know what that meant, but I was excited. I said, Mom, I won an award. She said, you don't want to know what that means. <laughs> it means most talkative, by the way. So here it says, here, my son, will add my daughter, your father's instruction, forsake not your mother's teaching. So what's supposed to happen is a beautiful thing, right? It's supposed to be received received from your parents. It says, from childhood, you have been acquainted. This is writing to Timothy. Paul is. You have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So that's supposed to be received from your childhood. So as we prayed with our kids and sought to pass on the faith with our kids, here's a few things I learned. I learned that it doesn't happen as smoothly as I expected it to happen. There are bumps and there are victories and there are challenges all along the way. It's supposed to be received as my mother, new believer, as a young woman came to faith in Christ and passed it on to me, and she didn't know enough to teach me the sacred scriptures as it says here, but she knew enough to say, Ed, you need this in your life, what I found in my life. So receive, but then it's, then it's passed on, right? Don't miss this. And, and these are the words I command you today to be in your heart. This is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's a beautiful passage. It'll be on your heart. You'll teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as the frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. I will tell you what I've learned. I, I want you to know this is so clear. Let me just tell you this. I am not an expert on parenting. I am current, uh, currently a combatant in parenting. Every day is a challenge. Every day is a battle for us to be the kind of parents God has called us to be. I don't know that you should, I, re, I look back at some of my, my old sermons that I, that I preached and I, like, I, I preached on parenting when I had like three and five and seven-year-olds and I sounded so confident. Teenagers come along eventually though and you continue in, to seek to impart in them, to pass on to them what has been passed on to you. And indeed, in doing so, it's not just something that, okay, we're going to sit down so now I can impart to you the Word of God. No, it's something that we do when we're driving in the car. Just yesterday, my youngest daughter and I got into this amazing spiritual conversation while driving her to a friend's. I said, I saw this. What about this? It's these moments that come and they go and they come again. And sometimes it's so clear and awesome, right? My oldest daughter, the student at Wheaton College where I serve as a professor, she She's taking a course in Christian thought, and she, she walks into my office at home. I have a home office. She says, listen, I need you to explain to me about imputation. And I thought to myself, it has finally come. I am the cool dad to which they go for advice from school. But that doesn't happen a lot. 
See, the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. My role is in those times and spaces to say, let me tell you about the Lord. Let me say to you, this is Mother's Day. But listen, let me say to you men for just a second, particularly you husbands and fathers, if you want to give your wife a good Mother's Day, you know, don't just give her candy or offer to babysit the kids. You really can't babysit or watch your own children. <laughs> just wanted to make sure you're clear on that. So don't say, honey, I'll watch the kids. No, say, honey, I'll parent. Because that's what that is. So don't just do that, don't, but, but instead, get engaged and involved in the spiritual life of your family. Be a spiritual leader. Thank God for your wife and the mother of your children, but, but, but don't just leave the spiritual leadership to them. It's something that God has called you to, to pass this on to the next generation. Say, Ed, you're talking about fathers on Mother's Day. You got this confused. No, I don't. I got this perfectly aligned. This is something we do together, and for some of us, who didn't have a spiritual father because of divorce and because of my mother was a believer, my father was not. There were actually spiritual fathers in my life that changed everything for me. I still remember several of them. One of them was a guy named Steve Morgan. So if you see, later on we got married, Don and I. We got married when we were 20. Don't, don't tell our daughters. We got married too young, but we got married. And if you look at my wedding pictures, not that I would expect you to, though if you want to come over and look at them, I'd be happy to show you them. If you look at my wedding pictures, it's me and another 20-year-old, another 20-year-old, another 20-year-old, and then a 45-year-old guy. Because he was my spiritual father who came into my life when my father was gone. See, let me not miss this, right? The fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts, but that can come from spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers. It has for many of us, right? So don't miss this. Don't miss this for all of us. Mom and dad, your job, mom and dad, is to pass on your faith. Don't, I hear people say, you know, I'm just going to expose my children to all kinds of things and let them decide for themselves. That is an abdication of the responsibility that God has clearly given you. The fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. Now, your job, son and daughter, is to not reject your parents' godly instruction and in doing so, to learn and to grow. Now, maybe you're here today because your, your mom ask you to come with you to church. And I would say to you, I'm so glad that you're here. Happy, happy Mother's Day to you. But let me say to you as well, the thing your mom mo wants most from you is that you might hear the good news of the gospel today. And if you're not a believer, you might respond by, by grace and through faith. Now, in doing so, you'll be changed by the power of the gospel. You'll understand the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. On this Mother's Day, I don't know a better mother in the world than Donna. Met her in high school, and we, I fell in love with her because of how much she loved Jesus. Now my kids see Jesus in her, and just like I saw Jesus in, in my mother. See, that's what a mom can be. Now, for some of us, that's hard because that's not the experience that we had. So this is where spiritual fathers and mothers become so essential for us. This is why in the series of slides you saw during the song earlier, there were mothers and there were grandmothers and then there were spiritual mothers and spiritual grandmothers. Now, Don and I had an interesting journey because here's the, in both of our cases, our mothers became Christians and our fathers did not. And in both of those cases, there were messed up marriages and messed up challenges. Our parents have collectively said the words, I do, 15 times. 
And so we've seen different relationships, people in and out, and we said to ourselves, we want to pass on a godly legacy to our children. And to do that, we believe some promises for families. Let's look at number three in our outline. Number one is the beginning of wisdom. Number two is family and faith. And number three is promises for families. Remember, the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. Proverbs 1.9 is the next part of our passage we're going through. It says, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Now, you might say, what in the world are those things? Well, you probably know what a pendant is. It's something wears here around a necklace, a pendant around your neck. A garland, you actually probably know what a garland is, even if you're not in an industry that uses it, because around Christmas time, we get out garland on our tree. It's a wreath of flowers or, or leaves hung as a decoration. And here, it's worn as a decoration, a beautiful decoration on somebody's head. Your mother's teaching, I want you to miss this, right? Your mother's teaching is to be worn proudly. So when it says, hear my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, that's verse 8, and then it comes in verse 9, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. I wear on my head and my neck spiritually the spiritual instruction of my mother. One of the reasons I honor her today when I speak to you is because her teachings like a garland for my head and a pendant for my neck. And when you have a godly father or mother, you wear that proudly, not in an ungodly pride, but you wear that proudly because it honors your mother and your father. And even today, I'm doing that. But I want you not to miss this. Honoring your father and mother is it's a commandment that actually comes with a promise. Let's take a look at it. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Some of you parents want to just say amen. Amen. Your kids don't believe it yet. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for it is right. Wow, you're really rough, having a hard time in this one. Try it one more time. Don't be afraid of your kids. Try it one more time. <laughs> children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Amen. There you go. Hope you heard that, kids. They heard the first two. Now they had to hear the third. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, I want you not to miss this because there's a promise that goes up to the next generation. Honor your mother and father. Great day to do that on Mother's Day, and I'll be here again on Father's Day, and we'll do similarly then. So honor your father and mother comes with a promise. So there's a promise that goes up. If we will honor our prayer at parents, there's a promise that goes up. But there's also a proverb that goes down to the next generation. Now, there's a difference between a promise and a proverb, and we need to understand that. But Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. It says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he will not depart from it. I, this is actually not a promise. This is a proverb. Let me explain the difference. It's a very important difference. A proverb is something that is generally true that we're exhorted to live so we can generally experience the benefits, right? Save up, you'll have savings, right? Work hard, you'll be successful. Those are not dissimilar things than we hear in the book of Proverbs. There's a promise that if we honor our father and mother, that there's a promise, but there's a proverb that goes for our children. You say, why is that important? Because my guess is that for some of us here today, our kids aren't now walking with the Lord. And if we see this as a 
promise, we're going to feel that God let us down. Or maybe we'll say, well, when he's old, he'll not depart from it. But the reality is some of you have children who are old and have departed from it. This is a proverb. And the proverb that lays before us is if we will teach our children, well, then they still will have to make a choice. But the proverb is generally, and most of the time, this is what will happen. This is what we pray for. This is what we believe in. But it is indeed a proverb. But we want to look to the beauty of something like 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Listen to the power of this. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly, Paul writes to Timothy, in my prayers day and night. As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you as well. When I look at my children, this is their situation, a sincere faith that dwelled first in my mother, who I took to church here last Mother's Day, so dwells first in my mother, Elizabeth, and then dwelt in me, or in first in Donna's mother, Joyce, and then first dwelt, then dwelt in Donna, and then we pray, dwells and flourishes in our own children. Now again, I, I will just take just a moment with your, um, with your patience to just tell you how thankful I am for that in my own life. My mother, as an adult, comes to faith in Jesus Christ. She goes through a very difficult life. We've walked a journey. She was a single mom for a time. I remember waiting in line at the grocery store while she pulled out those food stamps and, 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 and to feel the, the, my own just, I don't know how to think. I don't know how to respond to this, but my mother pressed through. I remember my sister getting cancer at 12 and it kind of just, just disrupting so much of her faith and, and ultimately my parents getting divorced soon thereafter that and, and, and she, she pressed through trusting in Christ. And I, I remember when my sister cancer came back eight years later and she died as a young woman and, and my mom was just wrecked and crushed and she actually, she said, I couldn't pray. I couldn't go to the Lord for years, she said. But then years later, she, she pressed through and she trusted the Lord. I think of as, a, as an adult, she, she, was, she was in her late 20s when she goes back to college because she had to provide for her family and she went to night school while working in the day and, and I would sometimes go with her to her classes at Stony Brook University on, on Long Island. I'd sit there and listen to algebra. I had no idea what it was, but my mom pressed through. And I think about her godly legacy when she came to Christ and, and she began to say to me, you know, Jesus is changing my life. You can see it. And I could because I'd see her sometimes in the dining room praying with her Bible open and it just messed me up. And she said, I'm going to, you, you need this. And she said, she forced me one time to go to this youth camp. And I went there and I met Jesus and my life was changed. And it probably took me years to realize and come back to my mother and say, your godly legacy is why I follow Christ today. You know why? Because as a teenager, you're like, well, you know, I found Jesus. I don't know about my mom, but I found Jesus. No, no. The Lord found me by his grace and his goodness and used my mother as an instrument and a tool in that. Listen, for those of you who are parents or grandparents, let's pray for a legacy like we just heard from Timothy. Let's pray for a legacy that speaks of people like you might be the Eunice, you might be the Lois, you might be that person. Maybe it's a spiritual mother and grandmother. But I do wonder, how many of you have the legacy of a godly mother? Would you raise your hand for just a second? Just raise your hand. Yeah, me too. And I'm deeply thankful for that. 
But I'm guessing for a lot of you, you're a mom who deeply loves Jesus, but, but maybe your kids yet aren't following him. I want to ask if we might just pray for that for just a second. Because on Mother's Day, mothers and fathers are often thinking about their children. And for many of you, you're like, how do I see this proverb come true? And the answer is to continue to remind in your own life and theirs, the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts, that still may come. How many of you would say, Pastor, today, I just need you to pray for my kids. Some of them aren't walking with the Lord. Is that a few folks around here? Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Let's pray for them. And on this Mother's Day, let's pray for godly mothers thanking the Lord for them. Let's pray for mothers who don't yet know the Lord. And let's pray as mothers and fathers for our children that they might trust Him in the fullness of who He is. The sincere faith that lived first in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, that I am convinced is also in you. May a godly legacy be our passion. Thankful, yes. Thankful for moms. Thankful for dads. Thank you for grandparents who are a godly legacy. But intentional. The fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, as we stand even now, I pray that you might speak to our hearts on this Mother's Day. Father, I thank you for my mom, and I join with thousands of others who are thankful for their moms. Not everybody can experience that same level of thankfulness that we have, but for those who can, we give you thanks today. If you're raised in a Christian godly home and had an impact on your life, just thank the Lord. Say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for that, that godly heritage passed on to me. But for a lot of us, we're raising kids, or maybe we've raised kids and Maybe for some, it's not turned out the way we hoped, the way we wanted. And if that's, if that's where you are right now, can you just cast that upon the Lord? Can you just say, Lord Jesus, I trust you. Father, I, I give again my girls to you. What a blessing you have given to Donna and I to have them. Oh, Lord, I give them and I entrust them to you. Would you do that right now for your kids or your grandkids? Maybe they're your grown kids. Maybe they're distant from you geographically or even relationally. But would you just say, Lord, thank you for, for you giving them to me. But now I give them to you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that moms and dads and grandparents and friends all across this room and worshiping with us online might indeed say, we trust our children to the Lord. Lord, remind us that the fear of the Lord creates a godly legacy that lasts. Father, I thank you for so many legacies here already. I thank you for those who grew up in a Christian home, or in my case, <laughs> later as a teenager, experienced a Christian mom. And Father, I thank you that we now have that entrusted to us. May we, men and women gathered here, may we on this journey of faith, trust you, love you, fear in that biblical sense, have the fear of the Lord as the beginning of wisdom in our lives. So our children and our friends, children and our neighbors and our coworkers and those around us might see and might hear and might know the one true God 
who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins and in our place. We celebrate you, Lord Jesus, ultimately this Mother's Day. In Jesus' name, amen.